Welcome back in, everyone, to the Bracket Breakers. I'm your host, as always, Dalton Pence. Alongside with me, the man on cloud nine, Dylan Jackson. What's going on, Dylan? I'm doing great. We are doing spectacular in the city of Charlotte. We've got our guy, <laughs> the one, the only, Lamelo Ball. We spoke it into existence. We really <laughs> spoke it into existence here. So. Literally, every single morning. Spoken every into existence. day, dude. Every but, day. But hey, prop, props for persistence. Um, it's been a while, so uh, let me go and refresh you. You know where you can find us at Bracket Breakers on Twitter. Um, you know, we're, uh, you know, basically we took a little bit of a hiatus with the coronavirus. And honestly, it, there really wasn't anything to it other than the fact that, you know, everything that we had talked about, there, there's no point in overanalyzing things. And I think in terms of draft analysis, that's the worst thing you can do. And I think we just had too much time on our hands to be able to, you know, analyze, overanalyze and overanalyze the fact that we're overanalyzing. So took a little bit of a hiatus, but the draft was tonight. So we're back with a little bit of a a lot with a little bit of a, you know, a first initial reaction. So the the first thing that I want to, you know, talk about is you know, biggest winners and biggest losers. And I, I saw one team really stood out to me tonight, and it wasn't the sexiest bunch of picks. But I think the Dallas Mavericks really drafted well tonight. You know, you already have your stars. They're not truly swinging for the fences, per se, with their picks. You know, you got Luka, you got KP. But what they did is they added some defensive upside and the, and a little bit of a home run guy with value. Um, so they got Josh Green and Tyler Bay, who are, you know, you know looks like a, you know, defensive-oriented type players. Both have offensive upside, more so the fact of uh, Josh Green. They did get Tyrell Terry. I know you're not high on him, but to get him the first pick of the second round, with the offensive upside being able to potentially surround Luka with a with a shooter, I think that uh, you know the, the Dallas Mavericks didn't make the sexy picks, but they made the right picks. In my opinion, they're one of tonight's big winners. And they got Josh Richardson. I mean, even though it, yeah. it took getting rid of Seth – Seth Curry, which I don't know how I feel about that. One thing that Josh Richardson does supply you with is the ability to defend, and that was one thing that really held back the Mavericks this season was the inability to do that. So, look, I mean, I I was fully against taking Tyrell Terry in the, in the first round, okay? But, you know, they take him in the second. I'm okay with that value. It's whatever. The part that I'm enamored with is they – I believe that they flipped – they flipped uh, – Seth Curry for a player that's better than Seth Curry. I think that Josh Richardson's really, really good on both ends of the floor. Um, he can be sort of a secondary facilitator. You know, really good at defense. He's oh, he's got an okay shot. Really big player here, Josh Green. I said before the draft that Josh Green to the Dallas Mavericks was a fit that I probably loved the most in the entire draft before it even happened. You know, this is a guy who's really, really good on defense. Runs up and down the floor, super quick. You know, he's got the shot. I think that he's going to be really, really good. He's going to be an impact rookie for the Dallas Mavericks. You know, they landed three players who can have impact right now and later on down the road. I don't think Tyrell Terry is going to be a guy that plays much this year. But moving down the road, I think he could be a really interesting fit next to Luka Doncic for sure. Yeah, um, 
I, I love, you know, I think Rick Carlisle, Mark Cuban, you know, Dallas is a well-run organization, and they just showed that tonight. Who is a, who's a big winner in your opinion? I think, in my opinion, the Grizzlies just killed it. Uh, for sure. You know, they, they took Desmond Bain with, I believe, the 30th overall pick. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they moved up. They got him. They got Xavier Tillman, who's also a win-now player. Those two guys are the players that they walked away with in this draft. You know, those are two guys that I thought for sure were both going to go early 20s. They ended up sliding down. Memphis looked at their board. They took both of them. They're going to make an impact in year one. Desmond Bain is one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter in this draft class. Xavier Tillman has really, really good defensive upside. He can also shoot. I'm really, really surprised that they were able to walk away with both of those guys. Yeah, I think the Grizzlies... Uh, I don't know what's going on down in Memphis, but um, you know that that front office has been doing some great things in terms of the draft. I think that Chris Wallace, um, you know, I think that um, who is the GM of the Grizzlies? Uh, the Grizzlies. It's 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 That's not. Chris, it, it used to be Chris Wallace. Who who is the I'm I'm trying to think because it's on the tip of my tongue, but um, Chris gosh. Wallace is it Chris Wallace? I guess so. I thought he he might have got demoted though. He, I don't know. They got uh, they got something weird going on. Um, they okay. I don't know. I'm not sure who makes their decisions. Apparently, a, a, a young guy named Zach Kleiman. Interesting. Could be. It seems like uh, apparently he is um, the executive vice president of basketball ops. Regardless, I think it's probably a collective effort when I say that the Memphis Grizzlies have been hitting absolute dingers over the fence in these drafts. Um you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. was a guy that a lot of people thought that Memphis took a little too high. He's showing that he could really be, you know, a, a nice Robin role to, you know, John Morant that they took last year. Brandon Clark was a great pick, and everybody knew it. Uh, and Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman, we're talking about three guys right there in a collective nucleus of – Young players who execute their role, they try hard on both ends of the court, and they play their style of basketball. And it just so happens that all three, you know, play that similar style. You know, they're, the slogan is what, Grind City, and I think that they're really starting to embody the message that they're putting across. I'm super excited for, for this Memphis team. Um, is it? I think that obviously they're going to have to, you know, add another star um, in, in today's super team era, but in terms of putting together a, a, a you know a very impressive supporting cast, I thought Memphis did a one hell of a job in this draft, and um, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting to see you know how these guys come together. Um, another team that I want to you know focus on, I think the Sixers had a hell of a draft. Bags. When you look so well. First of all, we start out with Tyrese Maxey. Uh, you know, that he was one of those guys to rumor that he was going to fall, you know, leading up to the draft. That ended up being true. Uh, regardless, I think this is a great value pick here. I think that the Sixers really might have gotten away with one of the bigger steals. Um, 
They did trade away some of the picks away in the early second round. They traded away Theo Maladon to the Thunder, uh, Tyler Bay to the Mavericks. But um, they they drafted Isaiah Joe, which really should have been possibly a first-round prospect. And not only that, but they took Paul Reed with the 58th pick. And that is an extreme value pick because he was a first-round selection, in my opinion. So not only did they get two guys who can shoot the ball to surround Ben Simmons with, they also get a guy who does the dirty work in Paul Reed that will be able to you know, execute a role. And I think Daryl Morey is – I think he's doing a great job, especially just today. Yeah, if you if you just look at today, this is one of the – best works of art i've seen from a front office you know first of all nice. to, to to move <laughs> i know Rock, rockets fan dalton pence over here you know just just struggling through it all but you look at it right you flipped horford for danny green while only giving up a first round pick like that's insane all right and you take a look at what they drafted you know they had four picks that they used today four picks one of them was in the first round they got a top 10 player with that first round pick in Tyrese Maxey. They got three more first round caliber players in the second round. You know, they, they got Tyler Bay, who's a really, really good defender. They got Isaiah Joe, who's, I think, probably one of the biggest deals in this draft. He's a really, really good 3 and D player. And you got Paul Reed, who's one of the best 3 and D centers in this, in this draft class. So, I mean, you look at what Philly did and... I know Daryl Morey isn't used to making draft picks, but I feel like <laughs> when he does when he, he does he make does draft picks, they're pr- let's look back on you know the Rockets draft picks and the, let, let's be honest, they haven't made a first round selection since 2014. But um, uh, I'm sorry, 2015. Sam yeah, Decker. Sure. And, and honestly, he he showed promise. I don't. Th- I think his his development got hindered. Um, you know, I'm still a believer that Sam Decker is an NBA player, and I think he'll eventually get back to that. That's a story for a rainy day. But um, you look at the guys that they've drafted. You know, in the first round of when he was able to, you know, given the opportunity, very. You know, he got Sam Decker in 2015. Early in that second round, he got Montrez Harrell. The year before, Clint Capella with the 21st pick in the first round. That was that's a huge value pick, um, and that you know that's um, that's all you we've really been able to really see. But he's he's shown that you know he, his he when, when he's able to get picks when he doesn't trade them away, you know they're pretty high value. So um, you know, I I love Daryl Morey. I love his philosophies. He he. Um, he truly just gets it, and Philadelphia is thankfully giving him some money to work with. So um, it's going to be interesting to uh, really see how Philadelphia is going to be able to um, go out. But let, here, here's one of these. Undrafted Kansas guard Devon Dotson is signing with yes. the Chicago Bulls. I like yes. that pick. Uh, Lamar, that. Ste- Lamar Stevens is going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hopefully if the Rockets do make a – you know, in addition, it's it's via this way, so I don't get into an eternal depression. But let's go to some teams we didn't necessarily like. I just hopped off of the uh, NBA outlet with Nick Fay and company, you know, Alec Leach, Joe Maker. I, I pegged the New York Knicks as one of my biggest losers. I simply was not happy with what they did tonight on, you know, 
in a vacuum, sure, I guess Obi Toppin looks good on paper, but I don't know how many power forwards the New York Knicks actually need. And they needed a point guard. The fact of the oh. matter is Tyrese Halliburton was there at eight. They did not take him. Devin Vassell was there at eight. They did not take him. I'm actually okay with the Obi Toppin pick. I, here, and... But, but it, 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 and hear me out. Obi Toppin is not the reason why I hated their draft. Let's put it that way. I, I don't love the pick of Toppin. I like it. I think Obi, you know, they need an identity. They need excitement up in the Big Apple. And I think Obi gives you that opportunity. And I think, you know, Taj Gibson, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, I think they're all temporary holes, hole fillers. I don't think, um, you know, they're going to be part of the future. So I understand this pick, but I think that there was uh, bigger needs to be had there. The problems I have, I was not a fan of Emmanuel Quickly. That was a horrible pick. At 25. Here's the thing. You know, people want to say, oh, he can shoot the deep ball. He's got good defense. They need a point guard. Emmanuel quickly has shown that uh, he struggles creating his own offense if it's not off the catch and shoot, which he directly benefited from, you know, Ashton Hagens and Tyrese Maxey at Kentucky. But I honestly think that they could have gotten Emmanuel quickly at least 10 spots lower than where they got him now. I thought that there were multiple guys that they could have picked here. Peyton Pritchard would have been better. Malachi Flynn would have been better. Tyrell Terry would have been better. Um, you know, the list goes on. I thought that the Knicks had some opportunity to make a really big value pick here. And um, I thought that they just whiffed. I did not like Daniel Latoru at 33 either. Uh, you, you and I aren't as high on him. I think defensively he's just not there. Um like I said, I, I thought that there were some be- – I would have loved a Xavier Tillman pick here. I would have loved a Tyler Bay pick here, Elijah Hughes. Um, I wasn't a big fan of what the Knicks did. I – so I, I'm okay with the – I'm okay with the Obi Toppin pick. I'm, I'm genuinely okay with that because at the end of the day, you're trying to maximize R.J. Barrett, and I think that putting a stretch four like Obi Toppin – in the front court is really going to help them out because the Knicks really didn't have that last year. They just, they needed every kind of offense imaginable from this draft. And I think Obi Toppin is a player that really brings that with the eighth overall pick. That said, the next two picks that they had were inexcusable. Emmanuel quickly, Emmanuel quickly was a borderline draftable player. If that, uh, he can shoot, I guess, but he really doesn't bring anything of value outside of that. And Daniel Luturu doesn't really play any sort of defense, which is not really what you want from a second-round center. Second-round centers, you should be looking for good defensive floor with some offensive potential and not the other way around. Yeah. Um, You know, touching a little bit on Devon Dodson, uh, Bill Self apparently came out and said he believed that Dodson's agent and family elected to not have him drafted so late so they could pick where he wanted to go. You know, I, I'm not a I'm not opposed to that. You know, if you're gonna go like 45 to 60, um, you might as well honestly go undrafted so you can pick the best situation for you. Uh, I might be in the minority there, but um, I think it gives you a lot more flexibility. But um, you know, I just wanted to touch on that. Uh, who who's another team that you believe you know could have you know done better that you really didn't like what they did? So I really like 
that Detroit got Killian Hayes with their first pick. Their second two moves are kind of questionable, though. Really didn't like Isaiah Stewart at 16. I I just I didn't like the value of that. I think that he he's got some some potential as like a defensive kind of enforcer. I think that he's got some upside as possibly becoming a shooter, kind of a floor spacer. Um, Sadiq Bay is a, he was a good pick, right? But my issue is that you traded Luke Kennard to get him, and Luke Kennard is arguably your best player on that roster, you know. And granted, he does have a contract year coming up, but I still wouldn't trade him for an unknown, you know? I mean, he's he's probably your yeah. best asset, and I think you could probably get more than the 19th pick for him. Yeah, um, I think, you know, Luke Kennard coming into a contract year, maybe there were some um, disputes on, you know, you know maybe he, he didn't want to re-sign or whatever. Uh, you know, I think that's all speculation. I like what the Detroit Pistons did. Simply the fact that they took the right pick with Killian Hayes. Like, that I agree is with that. the pick. That the, was a that, really, really good pick. Really that good. Might pick. Have, that might be one of the best, if not the best, value pick in the draft. You're talking about taking a top three talent and taking him at seven. Um, I like Sadiq Bay. Like you said, I think it would have been a lot better had it not been for a Luke Kennard exchange. Um, I think what what kind of gives me a sour taste for the Pistons is the fact that they took Isaiah Stewart at 16. Um, you know, I'm still trying to convince myself that he's, he's a good NBA prospect in the modern NBA. I think if this is like 2008, Stewart goes in the lottery, but, um, I'm just not so sure. Um, I felt like, like Emmanuel quickly, you probably could have got him later on and there were some better prospects on the board. Like if the Pistons were, you know, true about wanting to, you know, do something interesting, you know. Alex says Pokashevsky or however you say his name, you know, Poku, I would have rather have you taken him, you know, because of that upside. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I thought that I was I was pretty satisfied with what Detroit did. And the fact that Detroit's next draft pick is a uh, top 16 protected pick to the Houston Rockets. I desperately hope they make the playoffs. So um, if they want to trade for, you know, like uh, Luca or something like that, that'd be fine with me just to get them to the playoffs. <laughs> just so we have a not it, it's an illusion. The Rockets first pick, or Rockets first round pick isn't really an, a pick. It's just a future trade willing to happen. <laughs> so I've, I've accepted that. I had my heart ripped out today when we dumped Robert Covington, which ultimately me- meant that we traded Clint Capella. Last trade deadline for ultimately two first round picks and one of them we probably won't get until 2026. <laughs> I I oh, discussed it. That is the painful. only thing that I will say about it. Um, but in terms were, of it, go ahead. Some of your like more like individual picks, you know, maybe not yeah whole draft classes, but like individual picks that you just absolutely love, like the fit, yeah, the value, yeah. everything. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Uh, f- finally. Orlando does something right. Yes. They love Cole Anthony. Yes. I, I think that, you know, Markel Fultz, as much as I still want to believe in his game, I don't think he's the answer there. And even if he is somewhat of the future, they still need a true point guard. I think Cole Anthony, you give him the reins. You give him, you know, Orlando's not in a position to win right away anyway. So you give him opportunity to work through some rookie mistakes and growing pains. 
I love that he goes there. I love Devin Vassell to the Spurs. If there's an organization that fits his style of play, it is the Spurs. But kind of, kind of, um, you know, shying away from the lottery and finding a pick that I like outside of that, outside of the, um, you know, the, the the ones that we talked about and stuff like that. Um, I love your Charlotte Hornets getting Grant Riller. I that was love, incredible. I love the Clippers trading for the rights to Jay Scrub. I'm a big believer in him. Um, one that I'm circling that I really, really like, um, and I, I wasn't too big on him as a prospect, but I love the fit of Jordan Wara in Milwaukee. Like, if there is yeah. a good fit for Jordan, and, you know, he's a, he's a crafty, crafty wing with uh, the ability to shoot the ball, that's going to be his main staple. Milwaukee needs guys like that. So you get, you know – a player with good value to, um, you know, to a role that you need. So I, especially who knows if Bogdan Bogdanovich is actually going to Milwaukee. So um, I love the Nora pick there. What are some picks that you, you thought that you liked pretty, you know, pretty well? You know, I just want to say like to start out, there weren't many like what the hell just happened sort of picks, you know, like everything that happened in the lottery wasn't too unexpected if I'm being completely honest you know like the first three went as expected before the draft this was the top three everybody was mocking them to the exact place that they went Patrick Williams was kind of a surprise at four but you know moving on after those four Isaac Okoro really really good pick I think the Cavs really did well with him Okongwu as well excellent pick you know this five through seven range I just I love every pit pick and fit you know Conquer to the Hawks, Hayes to the Pistons as well. Um, Tyrese Halliburton to the Kings was a really good value. I think that he could be either a sixth man or please don't waste his please don't waste his uh, potential. I think like, that he would be great next to De'Aaron Fox. So here's good. the thing. Here's the thing though. It I, you know I think we 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 have we're evolving into a modern NBA to where you can play two point guards at the same time. Teams are starting to do that. I don't yeah. think, you know, I think, you know, the Kings now have a point guard to where now you can kind of play deer and foxes. Okay, deer and roam and do whatever the hell you want. And we'll have Halliburton take the ball up and have you as kind of like a, a secondary ball handler, you know, pass it to you on the wing and you drive to the basket. I, I think this opens up for uh, deer and Fox, but I also think this numbers the day or yeah, you know, limits the number of days Buddy Heald has left in Sacramento. Yeah, um, I think that the Kings had actually a, a pretty decent draft. You know, they got Robert Woodard as well um, in the second round. And I think that I expected him to go in the first round. So getting him as late as they did was really good. Jamias Ramsey, as late as they got him, was a really, really good value. I think he's a 3 and D sort of player, you know? Listen to this. So, you know, I, I, as we're recording this at 12.44 Eastern Time AM on uh, early Thursday morning, you know, uh, the draft is over, but undrafted guys are starting to trickle in. Um, Memphis has agreed to a two-way deal with Killian Tilly. <sighs> they're it, they're it, it, killing it. it. It's getting unfair. It, it, it's getting it. to the point where, I mean, if if they just if they, I mean, if you imagine like them adding Devon Dotson, like they would be my biggest winner. I'm like, how are you winning when your the draft is over? So I mean, I mean it's, 
they they're just they're they're going off, you know. And don't forget, they have Jonte Porter too, who didn't play. So I mean, they're just they're loading up, you know. Um, in terms of you know like of other picks that I really like, you know, in the second round, there were some really really good fits. First of all, Desmond Bain to the to the Grizzlies. We already talked about him, but that was a really really good pick. I think that. You know, looking towards the late late end of the draft, you know, Grant Riller, I had him as a top 20 prospect. Going at 56 to the Hornets, and I know they already have Lamilla Ball. I know they already have two other point guards, but Grant Riller that late in the draft is just an incredible value. Let's go. Mason Jones, two-way contract with the Rockets. Oh, he's, he's dude, the next Harden. No, sir. Well, what, that's the Harden replacement right there. What, what he, well, according to Tillman Fertitta, why not? I mean, <laughs> he, he, you're paying him forty-one less million dollars a year. Oh my God, that the memes with him and his book are just so funny. I don't know if you've seen those on Twitter. But <laughs> yes, those... no, I, I, I've seen. I've. It, it's hard not to see it when you're in a bunch of group chats and stuff like that. <laughs> but um. I'm sorry, I just had to interrupt you because for for once tonight, I finally get excited. Some joy in in a very dark time to be a Houston Rockets fan. I mean, did you realize the fact that, like, I mean, I I really thought they said, like, Mason Jones had extremely improved his vertical. And I was like, okay. I was like, okay. Like, like, legitimately, like, you know, extremely improving the vertical. Uh, what are some picks that you did not like? Individual picks. Yudoka Azubuki to the Jazz. That, that's a head scratcher. That one was weird. I understand the appeal. However, I I don't think I could have don't think I could have done that because he at the same time he I think he'll be a backup big, but. He doesn't like he's good at what he does. You know, he's he's a rebounder. He's an okay rim protector, gonna get some buckets inside, but I feel like he's the kind of guy that's just gonna get phased out. I'm not sure if he's gonna be able to defend in space. Not sure if he's gonna be mobile enough. Um and they traded Tony Bradley to do it, I believe, right? So I I don't love it. Don't love the pick. I- you know, I think, you know, due to the fact that he's so efficient around the rim and he's so strong and he, he he's a good defender, um, I think, you know, he could have a Boban Marjanovic role to where he only plays sparing minutes. But the fact that I, I thought Tony Bradley was a guy that still had a future in the NBA. Um, I mean, I just, not only I that, but like they, they so, passed on Xavier Tillman. Yeah, and I thought, you know, in today's age, I mean, are you going for, you know, the next Rudy Gobert? Because he's not as mobile as Rudy, and, you know, Yudoka's not. But at the end of the day, you know, I was like, oh, well, I mean, if it is what it is. A pick that I didn't like, I you know, I understand it, but from, like, what I felt like they they usually do, I didn't, I, I didn't like Precious to the Heat. Um, I think I, that he fits what they do as a culture, but in terms of a fit, 
Like I on don't the court. think it's a good basketball decision. But I will say this. As much as I didn't like the pick, I will say that the basketball development team in South Beach is right yeah. up there is right up there with San Antonio. They it's, know it'll they be know how to develop talent. So and the good thing about it is for Precious, he he isn't needed to come in right away and show out. He can take some so, time to own it on his craft. So as much as I say that, it's like I'm convincing myself that I like it. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that one of the things that Miami was really missing, you know, this past year was somebody that could kind of come in and defend three through five and not really have much other responsibility. Because, you know, you had like Myers Leonard and Kelly Olenek playing the five. So you could have a guy that could come in, just run the floor, uh, if you could have him just defend, you know, three through five, be athletic on the perimeter, that sort of thing. I think I don't hate the pick depending on how his offensive game develops. I think a lot of it is going to depend on how far he's able to stretch from the rim and if he's going to be able to do anything other than score inside. Because if he's not able to, that's really going to limit what he can do as a player moving forward. Right. So, I mean... Wrapping up, I mean, we talked about our biggest winners, biggest losers, biggest picks that we like, biggest picks we didn't like. Um, you know, after looking at, you know, the way things trickled down and transpired, who do are you, who do you think is put in the best situation to succeed? The best player or the best team? Could be could be both or the best the best situation that you look at and thought okay well you know he's in a lot better situation than I, I thought he could be and it might help his stock a lot more than I thought here's a player I thought he dropped to 24 I think RJ Hampton is in a great situation in Denver because um, you know th- there's just something about not being re- you know relied to do too much early on like we see sometimes with top guys. So I guess if you are to try to spin things to look at a bright side here for Hampton, who dropped considerably, he's drafted to an organization to where I think, you know, he's going to fit in pretty well. That I could I can see that. I think that RJ Hampton I think that him falling is gonna benefit his career uh more than his pocket, you know, right now, because I mean he fell quite a bit on draft night. I kinda expected him to go a little bit after the lottery, so he lost out on Probably a million dollars per year by sliding all the way down to 24. But at the same time, he's he's really, really talented. You know, he's really raw. I think that him, you know, sitting behind Jamal Murray, behind those veteran wings, I think that's really going to benefit him moving forward. Um, one guy, and I'm kind of biased towards this, that I think is in one of the best situations that he could have landed in is LaMelo Ball. And I think that because... The players on Charlotte's roster right now are, like, designed to maximize what he can do as a player. You've got P.J. Washington, who's just an excellent floor spacer, really good high IQ player. You've got Milo Bridges, who's just going just gonna to catch lobs from ball every... Like, you know how fun that's going to be to have LaMelo Ball kicking it out to those two guys? And not only that, but Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier in the backcourt as well. Um, Grant Riller, if he actually gets minutes as a rookie, you know... And right. if they're able to secure, you know, like a veteran big like Serge Ibaka, which they've been rumored to be interested in, something like that, I think that Charlotte could be super fun, and I think that Lamelo could be a really good fit. And it gives them sort of a 
he might not be a star, but he brings the presence of one to a team that hasn't had much. You know, Kemba Walker wasn't really a big media personality. So finally, finally bringing some personality, some excitement to the Charlotte Hornets that we haven't had in years. Uh, I agree. <clears throat> I, I didn't like the, uh, the middle two picks you had. Not at all. But, uh, Horrible I, I, picks. Actually, I think Grant Riller is going to be a guy that is it's going to get a role. Maybe not this year, um, just depending on. Um, I think um, you know if Terry was to get dealt, or maybe you know if Devonte goes elsewhere and seeks a bigger contract. I, I just think that somehow, some way, Grant Riller is just too good of a player to be denied in, in NBA role. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting because the Hornets really have four true point guards now. Uh, they've got, you know, they've got Rozier, they've got Graham, they've got Lamelo um, Ball, and now they've got Grant Riller, too. So four point guards, um, that's probably one too many. So it'll be interesting to see who the odd man out is. And I've got a feeling, just because he's not really not really that homegrown talent, you know, wasn't drafted by the Hornets, I think it's going to be Terry. If I had to, if I had to really guess, you know, it would either be him or Devontae, because Devontae's got a contract situation coming up. So we'll see what happens there. Um, it's just, it's going to be really interesting to see because LaMelo Ball kind of makes those two players more dispensable in the sense that they can now move those guys and bring in, you know, players on the wings, players at the forward positions, you know, more versatile guys that are more valuable in today's league because they have LaMelo Ball, you know? So I, I'm just super excited to watch this team as a Hornets fan, as a basketball fan. Uh, you know, I'm just hyped for December. Yeah, uh, 100%. I, I hope that, um, you know, I hope everything goes well for, you know, LaMelo in terms of, um, you know, the transition. I hope that, um, you know, all the, the great things that we talk about, hopefully they come to fruition. I think the Grant Rule is going to be big. Uh, unfortunately for my Rockets, I have to look to some lesser extents to try to find some gratification. It, it's really hard in, um, you know, the, the current day and age. Join the, the bandwagon. Join the bandwagon. <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest. It's uh, it's very testing. And, uh, and a couple moves um, that could happen you know, in the next couple weeks or so could really dictate my fandom. And I hate to say I, that because I love the I Rockets. Hate to, but, um, I hate to rule out the Westbrook to Charlotte trade, but don't it's think it's happening happen, anymore. No. I just, well, the good thing is the, the Knicks are still on the table. They, um, they had three they picks. They, yeah, they had a couple picks and they decided. RJ? They... <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, they Russell Westbrook for uh, anybody known to mankind. <laughs> um, but that's going to wrap it up for us here um, at the Bracket Breakers uh, post-draft night. You got your reactions. Be, be sure to check us out on Twitter at Bracket Breakers. Uh, you can follow me personally at Defense underscore for all your hot takes on the Houston Rockets and rants on their ownership. And you can follow Dylan. I, I, I like to think I know what the ad is, but I feel like it's changed again. It has changed again. Yeah. At the Dylan Jackson on Twitter. That's change it. it. Don't it's change fresh. it again. It's yeah. good. Not changing it again. We're good. And, and then two episodes later, we're sitting here talking about why you changed your username. 
<laughs> but regardless, that's going to do it all for us here today at the Bracket Breakers. Um, we hope your team had a great draft, and if they didn't, well, join the club. <laughs>